and welcome to Space Chats. My name's Bethany Sharp from the Space Theatre and I'm here with Paige Canavan-Smith who will be bringing the untold fable of Fritz to the space later this month. Mm-hmm. Hello Paige, how are you? Good thanks, how are you? Yeah, good. So to kick us off, we're going to have a chat about you as a theatre maker. But before we talk about that, what would you define a theatre maker as? Uh, I feel like I should have like prepared myself for these kind of questions. I think a theatre maker, I mean, in its basic kind of layman terms, is obviously someone that creates something, I'd say. And it doesn't specifically have to be, I think, what we traditionally think of as theatre. I think maybe more the idea of something that is theatrical and and artistic is probably a better way to round that off. So I think someone that is kind of, their goal is to create from the ground up is what I'm going to say as a theatre maker. Nice. (laughs) I just thought I'd start with the most difficult question of all. But after that, it all is much easier. Yeah, make my brain really work. Though, interestingly enough, Lots of people that aren't in theatre, because I did the theatre making masters and people assume that to be like set design. When I go, really? oh, I did theatre, they're like, oh, so you learn how to like make sets and stuff. Because I think they think theatre maker like is in make physically like a theatrical set. And I have to go, no, no, I just played games, <laughs> made plays. <laughs> I mean, that that's a good way to start playing games, making plays. So what was, may I ask what the focus of your course was? Was it generally exploring all areas of theatre making or did you, did you specialise? So it was at University of Kent and so it was slightly different. I think if you went in a different year, but I went in 2020, did I go? I just graduated like this year. So, uh, I was 21. I can't remember, but I did it in the pandemic kind of times. So I spent half my time online. So that really changed what the course was that year, I think. But the aim of the actual course itself was, it was very much, we learn about very specific kind of genres and styles that I think just the lecturers had chosen because it was their specialities. So we specialized in kind of site-specific theater And the aim was to basically make as much as we can in one year. So we had to make four pieces in one year. So it was very much kind of a dive into the deep end of kind of really big styles and then make something at the end of it. Um, But like I said, because I was pandemic year, two of those pieces I had to make were virtual or just not in in real life. So I I was scared to do it, but I'm actually really glad because it pushed me as a creative because I've never had to think about doing something that's not in like a studio or in a theatre. So it was really challenging, but yeah, so it was just a bit of everything. And it was very much a course where you could really take it in whatever way you wanted. So if you were really into adapting like books into scripts, you you could just kind of do that on every piece and really push that. So it was very much whatever you wanted, you could kind of just go for it. And the lecturers were very like, yep, you do what you want to do. We'll support that. That sounds amazing and very broad. What did you come out with sort of going, okay, I've been given all these different things, all these different theories and different ways of practicing theatre. What did you come out thinking, yes, okay, this is what I'd like to do. This is the sort of work I'd like to make. I think for myself, just devising is the biggest thing. And when I did my acting BA, it's something that we 
did a few times, but obviously the, the main part of that was learning acting techniques. But for me, I use devising as a really big tool and it's the way I made all my four pieces through my MA. Um, I'm really starting with like an idea or, you know, a book or something and creating using kind of an R&D style process to devise something, even if it wasn't like a play, because we did one piece was a site specific. We did it in an art gallery. So though it was socially distanced. Um, of course, yes. <laughs> so for me, it was about that process. And also I was really thrown in the deep end because for three years at St. Mary's, I'd worked with the same actors and the same teachers. And then I went into this new place and I didn't know anyone. And I had to kind of find my way as like an individual creative and how I devise and how I work with new groups of people to kind of create these pieces. So I think I found, I think I found more of my own practice devising in my MA. This will maybe sound like a, a slightly stupid question, especially given that this is a theatre podcast. But when we talk about devising, that can mean a lot of different things. And mm. when you're a creative going into a rehearsal room and you're told, OK, we're going to do some devising. Often people go, I don't know what that's going okay. to be. What What is that for you when you have a group of actors? So yeah, and you're completely right. It is so kind of individual to like the group or the person. And for like myself, my devising has come from like a culmination of like working with loads of different people throughout my kind of training. So devising for me is really about play. That's a huge thing. Um, Kind of when I'm in a room, especially with Unsettled, play is kind of the core of what we do. It is very much about, you know, even if it's just the idea. So kind of for this show, the idea was from a short story by Philip Pullman. And it was less about the actual story that Philip has written. It was more about the world. And we just took that. We went in a room and it was just throw whatever comes to mind straight away when you looked at that story. And then we just played. We just played. We just made characters. We just everyone decided on the exercise they wanted to try out. And it was about kind of throwing loads of things at a dartboard and then sitting back and analyzing and going, okay what actually kind of interests us. What was the thing that we did out the whole day that went, oh, you know, that was really, I liked that. There was something to that. Even if it was, you know, a, a piece of movement or if it was someone just randomly spouting like a monologue. So I think myself, it is very, it's it's clowning and it's playing and it's being really out there and not caring to then really go through the puzzle pieces and then start putting it together. I would say it's it's chaos, but structured. Chaos but structured. I think that is the sort of thing everyone wants to see. Yeah, definitely. Also, I noticed you're called Unsettled Theatre, so presumably a little bit of that comes into yeah. It was like company. I think the word like to unsettle someone, and not in like a fully negative way. It it doesn't mean to like scare you in kind of you're not going to like a scare night, but to kind of make you think. And, and challenge you slightly, I think, is the reason why we we wanted to be unsettled. So you say structured chaos, which, I mean, as I say, sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to the show and watching, yeah. watching the whole thing for real. Um, but having read your, your, your scripts of mm-hmm. the show, I'm interested as to how, how you got from the organised chaos to the script. Because there's, yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's, there's a very clear, here is our plot, here is our story, here are our story points. How, how yeah. have you moulded the chaos? Wow. I feel like I, I should have like taken a diary as I've done this because it would have been very interesting to read back on what I felt at the very beginning when we were just in a room. 
So it is it is a long process. And I think ours has been longer because we all kind of have been working and doing other stuff. So it's kind of been over months instead of going into a room for like four weeks. But it was very much about, like I said about the beginning that we started it's kind of okay I'm sorry I, I use a lot of metaphors so and like we're gonna picture it I think that's the best way so like I said you've got a thousand pieces of a puzzle that's thrown across and some of them seem more interesting than others and it's about picking those out and trialing them and thinking okay so what's the story and we start to then look at like like you're saying about plot and it's going even basic you know what is what's the point of it and what's the main kind of objective and what would be the if we chose that story what would be the beginning middle and end and then kind of running with it. And if we it just doesn't fit, doesn't work, if the piece doesn't fit in the puzzle, you know, maybe shifting to a different different one. And then as time goes on and you start doing that again and again, things start to build and your puzzle's getting more filled out. And then you kind of get to a point and you go, well, we've just made about 10 minutes and this is very much a beginning of a show. So then you can sit down and start to timeline. And you can think about when you watch a show like this, we do a lot of... Um, what would you want the end to be? If you were sitting as an audience member watching the show, what would the ending be? And trying to like figure out more interesting, instead of always going, you know, you know, everyone wants a happy ending. So what, what's the flip side of that as well? And then we had Tash come in, kind of once we'd done our R&D and our devising, Tash came in to actually sit and write because a lot of the time we'd be kind of improvising and then you find yourself saying the same lines again and again, even though you're improvising. So Tash would come in with her laptop and start to actually write what we were saying. And then she went away. And because she's a really good kind of writer and she's a very good dramaturg, she would start to actually put it together and she started to kind of string everything. So we're still kind of devising, but it's now because you're doing it so much and you've done the same thing over and over, you're starting to have a, a through line, if that makes sense. So things are starting to always, like I always started it. You'll see in the show, uh, the way we start it with me on the box is the way it's been starting for about two months. And so it was like, well, that's obviously the beginning then. Does I don't make sense, but it makes sense in my head. <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I think with all these things, there's a certain thing where outside of a rehearsal room, it's like, how can I explain what on earth went on inside? Yeah. But And all I can say is we're still, like we had rehearsals a couple of weeks ago and the puzzle's still not complete. And there's still some pieces that we've like shoved in and they fit, but that doesn't actually fit. So we're still kind of working um, and we've got rehearsals again in a couple of weeks just before the show, just to like finesse everything. And I still think in, after the space, I still think we're going to, there'll be things we're going to slightly move around or tweak because that puzzle's almost ever evolving as well. I've really gone with this puzzle metaphor. So, <laughs> but yeah. I think the puzzle metaphor has worked fantastically. I've got a very clear picture of the puzzle. If that yeah. Makes sense. Going back to something you mentioned, this is more of a practical thing, but it's something I don't know that is often talked about as much. How yeah. do you find, because as we mentioned, you spent a long time studying and devising in a in quite a sort of controlled, dedicated environment. Here is your space. You have a few weeks to devise this or work on this. And then, you know, most of the time we have to make work around a lot of other things, around a lot of other work, around a lot of other commitments how do you find that's affected the devising process? Well, I think it's very interesting that you've asked because a lot of kind of big shows, even, you know, 
things that are seemingly off the West End and stuff, but these big budget kind of theatre like houses, should we say, they very much will have like R&D period and it'll all be, like I said, four weeks and you'd go in a room and it'll be paid for and it'd be lovely. And you would do like a four or five week process and it'd all be together. And we found that our process has been completely opposite to that. Like I said, it's taken months. We started in January and we had a scratch, a 30 minute performance in June or July. So it took that long to make 30 minutes because we could only meet, you know, once a week, once a month for a weekend. And and because we've all got full-time jobs, it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and that's all we could kind of get. So it has been a real kind of eye-opener on what it's actually like not being in a room for five weeks together and having to fill the time in between. And actually something that the pandemic has been amazing for is this, is Zoom. And actually realising, right, what can we actually do online together? Is there parts of devising that can be over a video call? And obviously you can't, there are a lot of things you can't do on video, but just like script writing, you know, when we got to the point that we could start to write the script, you don't need to be in a room for that. Like you could just do it on a video. So it was about really utilising. And we tried really hard to be as really schedule our in-person rehearsals. So we really know what we need to do and what we need to hit because otherwise you just, you spend three days and you go, well, we've got four weeks to a meeting. How are we going to get anywhere? So I have to really say like uh, me, Tom and Anae and Tash, we, they, we've kind of really pushed through and really found like what has worked and what hasn't every time we've met. But it has been a learning process and it has been hard. It has been really hard. Like we did our show in Bedford our first like show of it and then we didn't see each other for about eight weeks and we felt such a dip and we lots of us felt very disconnected and and very um kind of very blue about it like we finished and it was such a like high and and then it kind of stopped so it's about kind of what and and we've learned from that so after the space we've already pre-planned what we're doing straight away because we're not going to allow ourselves to have that dip again how do you find it in terms of apart from the emotional thing of oh I, I'm performing this thing it's very much in me and now it's gone and now it's it's dropped at least temporarily how do you find it in terms of the connections between all of you because I mean as you said it, it seems very it's a very alive piece you're constantly developing it it's constantly changing does it take a while to re-establish those connections between you all as performers and makers or I don't actually think that's a problem as much with us. I think, so I've known everyone. We all met at St. Mary's Uni doing acting. So I've known them all before for like, it must be five years now. And especially, so the three performers is myself, Tom and Anae. There's something about our kind of connectivity and the way we work together. We not only kind of bounce with each other, but I think every single one of us challenges all the others. I've never felt more challenged in a room than I do with Tom and Anae. And there's something about the way we listen to each other. And we're very, in Unsettled, we always start rehearsals or a Zoom call like this. We always start with a check-in. So we always kind of go around, either say how we're feeling in a weird sound or a colour, or you have to sing it. And then we kind of, I'll ask, you know, what's something that was hard yesterday or what's something you want to do today? And I think we have this really good balance of making sure that mentally, physically, we're all present and we're all here and ready, but also understanding that someday some people are not very well or, you know, they're just in a bit of a mood. And how 
how can you still work with that and how can you help them move through it? Because you do have to leave it at the door, you know, all your stuff in a normal life, but also you can't completely suppress everything. So how can we like balance that? And I think we're really good at that. And when we come in a room, it's like straight, there's, we don't need time to like, you know, get back to devising, you know, it doesn't take a day for us to kind of take the, um, or what are they called? Like, oh, what is it called when you're learning to ride a bike? What stabilizers? Stabilizers. <laughs> it doesn't take us like a day to get rid of our stabilizers. You know, we get in, we warm up, we check in, and then it's like good to go. Nice. So just to talk, we've talked a little bit about the play you're bringing to the space. Yeah. But do you just want to say a little bit about, yeah, about it's so adapted, not adapted, that's the wrong word, but inspired yeah. by a Philip Pullman story? Yeah, so actually in my third year of St. Mary's, we had a devising piece kind of we had to do. There was like six texts near to pick. So my group picked Clockwork by Philip Pullman, which is like one of his short stories. And I just thoroughly enjoyed that process, the devising and everything we made. And it's very much a, um, it's kind of a magical world that's not, it's interesting because clockwork is kind of magical in the sense that it's science, but to the people in the story, it's magic, if that makes sense. So I just really loved that idea. And I just thought there's something to that there that I just really wanted to explore. And like you said, it's not an ad- adaptation. It's not, it's really, yeah, it's just in the same kind of world. And what was your question again? Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. It was a very broad question in a sort of, tell, tell, tell us about the show. But I mean, already we've got a little bit of sense. So it's set somewhere, which is, is it fair to say it's it's fantastical? It's, yeah. it's sort of it's sort of Germanic, Nordic. Is it is it a real place? Literally. Oh, you're like ticking all the boxes. <laughs> um, literally, yeah. So it's fa- it's fantastical, but it's really inspired by kind of medieval Germanic, you know, 30 years war period, like castles and, you know, mages, you know, this kind of world, this Narnia inspired world, shall we say. And especially in this time of, you know, Game of Thrones, it's very that, but without, we don't pinpoint it. And we want it to be kind of open for your interpretation. It's almost like you can see through some of the costume and what the story is, that that's where we are, but we're not telling you specifically, you know, welcome, this is 1800 Germany. So it is more about just, you can then put on whatever, you can add as the audience member, whatever you want to it. So yeah, so it's set in Brutzenwein, which is a a made up town. And it follows the story of the King of Brutzenwein. And he has a young son called Fritz. And Fritz is kind of, he's, he's all right. He's good. He's doing well. And then one day he just really gets a really bad cough. He just becomes very sick. And the king, though he's quite mean and cold to his people, he's quite determined to do everything in his power to make sure his son survives and is, is healthy again. And they try everything and nothing works. But then one day they have kind of a, a name of this mystical kind of doctor who lives in the cursed mountains, Dr. Feldgeister. So the king decides against, you know, warnings of others that he's going to journey to this really forbidden mountain and he's going to save his son. And they kind of go on this, you know, epic adventure. They go on a sledge ride. They get chased by wolves, you know, near death experiences. Uh, And they finally reach this doctor, but it's like, what is the price of, of saving him? 
yeah and then there's some wacky characters along the way (laughs) that's all I can say very good I have to ask are the big fur coats in the play yes yeah yes I I so that the show's images are are lots of big fur coats and yeah it's very very Narnia-esque uh so I had to to ask that so interestingly enough we've had those kind of costumes from I knew I wanted to set it in this kind of world like I said from this Philip Pullman story so I I took those costumes to the very first R&D you know just like putting them on and just playing like what characters come out you know like this we we even played like what's a tavern like and we just kind of kept making different characters and yeah we're really inspired I think by very much you know this Monty Python and and very sketch like even horrible histories is a huge inspiration for us I love horrible histories and about you know what how can we show this world with no set but like through people because we don't really have any set so exciting but I think Game of Thrones mixed with horrible histories is is a good yeah, yes. it's not like slogan. We've said to people, if you like, yeah, Narnia, Game of Thrones, but if you also enjoy kind of the wit and comedy of Monty Python, then you'll enjoy our show. Yeah. So obviously this is, this is currently taking up all of your time, lots of your time at the moment, yeah. <laughs> and you want to carry on developing this and playing with this and going to all sorts of places after the Space Theatre. Um, more broadly, though, for you as a practitioner, as a theatre maker, what would you like to do next? Either ideally or, uh, so this can be in theory, something you'd like to do or something that you do have bubbling away in the background? Oh, I have so many plans. <laughs> um, so the idea with this show is obviously next year we're hoping to tour it and we're I'm currently looking at fringes but specifically we want to go somewhere maybe like Canada we'd love to take it to a place that it would suit like environment wise I think that'd be awesome and alongside that we've kind of had an idea about another show so kind of while when Fritz is finished and we can just tour it the idea would be then to start another R&D process for a new show and we've kind of got a few ideas, so I'm not going to say what they are. But one of them is really cool, but I'm not going to say what it is. But for myself, I think one of the biggest things I really want to achieve in the next year or so, I really want to go freelance and spend you know, my whole time either doing unsettled work or working you know, as assistant director with other projects. I really want to start working with other people and working with new groups, new companies. But it's such a big leap you know, even just financially, like I work full time at the moment, and I just would not be able to like pay for my life if I went freelance straight away. So it's kind of how do I start that process of moving? Even could I go part time? Yeah. And I think big objective, Tom really wants to have a venue. That's his like dream. He's going to have like this huge theater, studio, cafe space that's like his thing and then I'd love to like work there and like have our shows and also do workshops and work with schools and like yeah just live and breathe art all day (laughs) and not have to work at a desk that is a fantastic objective I feel like working at the desk might have to come in at some point sadly I don't mind I don't know like if I'm doing admin for unsettled it's like yeah it's like, I'm, I enjoy it, you know, just sit there making budgets. As soon as I have to go to work, you're like, oh, I don't want to be here. But it's true. It's a very different sort of admin. Yeah. Different it's, admin. You're passionate about it, you know. And when I'm doing budgets or I'm doing like applications, 
all I, I'm, I, it gets me excited because I think of what, what that opportunity or what I'm doing enables like the work. So it's still like an exciting thing to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Totally. Cool. So we're going to wrap up in a second, but first of all, I just want to zoom you back to when you were, pro- pro- I assume probably very young. What was the very first theatrical experience you ever had? Ooh. Whether that be something you saw or something you were in? I've got a really bad memory. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm trying to think. So probably it's not a specific memory, but I did an Amram. Um, oh, I'm just going to to repeat that because I think the, the connection <laughs> broke. Sorry. Oh, sorry. oh, it's not a specific memory, but I started in amateur dramatics and to my mum and my auntie and they like in a small village hall where I'm from kind of always did pantos and when I was very young my mum got me involved so I don't really remember lots but I've done it kind of all throughout school and it was my place to like explore and be creative and especially at lots of my schools I didn't even have the opportunity to do kind of drama outside of class there wasn't really shows or I was quite shy as a young child, so I found it hard. Whereas at Amdram, it was like family and it was different. It wasn't like your peers. And it's literally, I think, because of that, that I got into, well, I originally got into musical theatre. So I think, and I think Amdram gets a bad a bad rep. And I think it's actually a lot of people's first steps into the arts. Um, and it's a good place to be because it's very welcoming and it's so accessible because I mean, to join our Amdram Society, it's like £10 for the year. And then you just can do it as many shows as you want. So big up the Amdram. <laughs> very much agree. I started in a similar sort of way. It was very, it was literally everyone would build the stage together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, yeah. Very communal. Very. So time is getting on. So I'm going to round this up. It's been really okay. lovely talking to you. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. No, it's been wonderful. So, so to recap, the Untold Fable of Fritz is going to be at the Space Theatre from the 29th of November to the 3rd of December. And that also includes a live streamed performance. And you can find all details on our website at space.org.uk. And you'll find that on our What's On page. Thank you very much and see you soon. Thank you. See you later. Bye.